Welcome to the No Guilt Fangirls Podcast, where liking what you like is never a bad thing. Here's your host and head fangirl in charge, Patty Holiday. Hey y'all, welcome to the No Guilt Fangirls Podcast. I'm Patty Holiday, your head fangirl in charge, and this is the Monday Movie Minute for December 9th, 2019. I missed last week. I didn't do a Monday Movie Minute. And uh, which is really funny because over Thanksgiving holiday, that's, you know, traditionally when you watch a bunch of movies, we, we did some, we did watch a couple, but I just wasn't, uh, I didn't, I'll I'll be honest, I just didn't get my ish together (laughs) to kind of do a recap of anything. But I'm back. Here we are. And we are going to go ahead and jump into this today. Now, I did want to remind you, if you haven't subscribed or given a five-star review just yet, please do. Uh, It helps other fangirls and guys find the show. And we all know it's no fun to fangirl alone. Uh, If you're new here, welcome. And every Monday, we talk about the movies that came out or that I sat on my couch and rewatched for the 15th time or whatever it might have been. Basically, if it's movie-related, we are going to talk about it. And this week, we're going to talk about a couple of movies, uh, The Irishman, Ford v. Ferrari, and Klaus. And uh, I have an unpopular opinion about one of these movies. But we'll get to that in just a minute. We also always cover this from the perspective of should you let your kids see this? And if so, what ages? Because I think that is really important for parents to know, uh, especially as the holidays are coming up, you're going to have two weeks off with the kids. They're going to want to see a bunch of movies. Let me just try to help you out a little bit to help you determine if the movie is right for you and your family or, or not. Okay. All right. But first we're going to talk about the box office today. Uh, at the box office, these are the winners. This is the top 10 list. Frozen 2, no big surprise. Uh, Knives Out, Ford v. Ferrari, Queen and Slim, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Dark Waters, 21 Bridges, Playing with Fire, which does surprise me. Um, I don't know why people are still watching this movie. <laughs> uh, but hey, good. Uh, good for them. I'm glad it's, I'm glad it's making them some money. Uh, Midway is at number nine and number 10 is Joker. All right. So let's jump in with these movie reviews. Uh, like I said, we have The Irishman, Ford v. Ferrari, and Klaus. Uh, I'm kind of in the holiday mood. We're going to go ahead and start with Klaus on Netflix. Now, this was my most surprising movie for me this week. I thought at best it would be kind of cute. Maybe something my youngest would enjoy. Something I probably would honestly be on my phone half the time, but sitting next to her, watching it with her, you know, just kind of generally a easy way to pass the time. But I was I was completely surprised uh, by how clever and smart this story was and also how original it was. Um, Plus, it was also really cool, really well done and really beautiful. It's an animated movie and it was all hand uh, animated. And uh, I I really got into the look and the feel that this entire movie brought about. All right. So this one's on Netflix. If you are looking for something to get you the holiday spirit, uh, I suggest pull this one up on Netflix and give it a go. It is basically an origin story of Santa. And it's one that we haven't heard before. Uh, and I really liked it. And I, I didn't realize that going in. So I was 
as things started happening and I caught on that that's what was going on, I was like, oh, 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 look how smart this is. And then Lucy was calling out things as it was happening and saying, oh, look at that mom, look at that mom. And that's that. And this is that. So it's definitely something she's eight and she's a precocious eight, but you know, she's eight. It's something that that young kids can get into. And uh, I I think it's definitely something that your family can, can watch for the most part. Um, Here's the basic synopsis. Uh, We have Jesper. He is basically the Postal Academy's worst student and uh, makes matters worse. His father is the postmaster general. (laughs) Uh, So dad decides to kind of teach him a lesson and hard, tough love. And he sends him off to a frozen island out above the Arctic Circle. Um, The locals here hardly exchange words with each other. They don't even talk to each other, much less mail each other letters. Um, So Jesper's been given this task. He has to get 6,000 letters posted before he can leave. If he doesn't get that done, then he's, he's stuck there. Uh, he, he basically is about to give up, um, when he finds a friend who's a local teacher who also is having her own issues with being in this location. And then they also discover Klaus, um, this mysterious carpenter. He lives alone in a cabin that's full of handmade toys. And, uh, they, they kind of form this unlikely friendship and, uh, this idea of a letter writing campaign to get a toy starts being developed and here we are um like i said it's a kind of a reimagineering version of the santa claus story uh and it totally works it totally works uh it is it is kind of weird it is kind of weird a little slow a little awkward at times and it was definitely more interesting in the second half than the first Overall, it's a beautiful movie, and it entertained the parents in the room as well as the kids in the room. Uh, some of my older kids walked in while we were watching it, and they were like, what's this? And they sat down, and they, it got their attention. So I'd even say, you know, from ages, I don't know, maybe six and up, maybe a little bit younger than that, you could go, depending on your child. Um, as far as a parent movie review, it is pretty family-friendly. It's rated PG, but there are some um, some chase scenes um, uh, there's kind of like a mad mob of villagers as well. Uh, it is a little bit dark in the beginning and a little slow. So your kid might, you know, it might take them a while to, to get interested in it. But it is worth it. The payoff is there and they will get tied into this movie. Um, so there's a little bit of intensity going on. Some chase scenes. I think I, I said that. Uh Language, there's no, no real language to be worried about, um, unless you are super sensitive as a family to things like being called an idiot or a brat, uh, or a loser. You will hear those kinds of insults, which obviously are not good things to call your friends children. Um, but that's the extent of language in this one. Uh, one note that uh, there is a, a couple of characters who speak another language altogether. And so they're, their words are subtitled uh, on the screen. If your child doesn't read, you're going to need to read for them. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Uh, all right. So on to the next one. This is Ford v. Ferrari. I wanted to see this movie when it first came out into theater, but I had some other things going on and I wasn't able to do it until this past week. And wow. Uh, this movie blew me away in, in surprising ways. I think overall as a body of work, this is probably ranking up there pretty high in my most entertaining, most fun 
most interesting, most enjoyed two plus hours in the movie theater that I've had all year. Uh, while I can't say it's my favorite movie ever, I can definitely say it's my favorite car racing movie. <laughs> uh, and I, and I really, I really like this one, guys. I really liked it. Now we know Matt Damon and Christian Bale are, are great actors. I mean, you know, they're both Academy Award winners. Uh, but this one really showcases them in unexpected ways. And, I just, I just really, I really loved both of their turns as, as the two uh, main characters in this. So what we have, if you don't know what the story is about, this is Matt Damon and Christian Bale. They are Ford, uh, they're in Ford v. Ferrari. And this is a true, this is based on a true story of car designer Carol Shelby, which is played by Matt Damon. Um, he, used to be a racer. He won Le Mans. He's the only American at the time to have done that. He's approached by Ford, uh, the, the car company, who wants to make a run at Le Mans. And they think Shelby is now the car maker that can help get them there. Uh, he no longer races because he has a heart problem, but um, he has a driver that he knows has the heart of a racer that is needed in order to win this famous race uh, in France. And that is Ken Miles. Ken Miles is played by Bale. Of course, we have the big bad in this movie being Ford. Uh, they make decisions and make choices at every step uh, that are trying to keep our, our two, uh, you know, main, main central characters from doing what they need to do in order to give Ford what Ford wants. But of course, you know, Ford has to step in the way. This is how big corporations run, right? Uh, so that's kind of the storyline that, that goes into this. Uh, it's set in 1965, 66, uh, that time frame. So you got to also remember that uh, the car racing was kind of a big deal, um, even back then. And, uh, that's the the central storyline that you're getting yourself into. Now, this was this is a long movie. This is a long movie. And I'll say that it felt a little bit too long for me. Um, for the most part, I was I was entertained and, and there weren't too many slow points. But uh, by the end of the movie, I question if maybe the last, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes were necessary or maybe they were necessary, but they just weren't they weren't told as impactfully as the first two hours of the movie were. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. Um, the car scenes. I mean, I could feel the cars, guys. And I was just, I wasn't in a Dolby theater. I didn't even have that extra, you know, sound quality or anything going on. But you could feel the power of these cars. That's how well... Uh, well done and well, uh, filmed this entire movie was. And it was, it was kind of amazing. Now I did have to laugh at myself. Um, I don't know a lot about car racing. That's not something that I follow in real life. Um, and what I do know, I know from Days of Thunder, right? <laughs> Everything I've learned about car racing, I learned from Days of Thunder back in the, whatever that was, eighties, nineties, maybe early, I think it was late eighties, right? Anyway. There were moments while I was watching this movie that I was like, oh, I know why they're doing that. And I was like, how do you know why you're doing that, Patty? I knew why, why they were doing that because of Days of Thunder. So if you are like me and, and remember Days of Thunder probably all too well, uh, I'm curious if I'm the only one that picked that up. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, anyway, this is just a crazy side note. Um, this is probably, 
it probably summed it up, uh, the, the action, the story, the drama, the acting, uh, the period sets and the costumes. Everything was just a lot of fun in this movie and really well done. So I really did uh, enjoy Ford v. Ferrari. And I think if you are looking for something to see in the movie theaters that most of your family can get behind, this is not a bad choice. This is not a bad choice to take the family to. Now, now that being said, as far as a parent movie review, there are some things you need to be aware of. Um, number one, of course, is language. There's a lot of language in this one. They're pretty salty. It's, uh, you know, back in the 60s, you have men in garages building cars, not to be stereotypical, but um, they definitely piled on a lot of the saltiness uh, <clears throat> here. I don't know, rough estimate, 30, 40 words that are are shared and said over the course of this movie um so if you have if language and 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 four little words are a problem for your family then you may want to reconsider this one um because you definitely have to keep that in mind uh, the other issue that i think is there is uh the violence and uh and peril, uh, car crashes, uh, those kind of things happen. If you have a child that's super sensitive, if they worry about uh, losing a parent, one of the um, central figures, uh, Christian Bale, has a young son that comes to a lot of his um, practice runs and his races and things like that. And so there's a kid like involved with this whole storyline as well. So if you do have children that are young enough or that are very sensitive about those things, definitely keep that in mind. Um, maybe even read some spoilers before you go because it could impact uh, how it affects your kids' uh, watching and um, enjoyment of this movie. It is rated PG-13. I'd say for the most part, that's that's pretty spot on. Uh, I personally could go a little bit younger than that, at least in my family, 10 and up would probably be good. But I don't think this is something that I would take my youngest to at this time. Uh, she just doesn't doesn't need uh, need to see it just yet. We can we can watch it later. <laughs> All right, guys. Now we're going to talk about the Irishman. And I said before that I had an unpopular opinion about one of these movies. This is it. This is it. If you have not sat down to watch the Irishman yet, it is on Netflix. And if you have paid any attention to movies, you have probably heard how amazing, how wonderful, how it's a masterpiece, how brilliant, how Oscar worthy the Irishman is. I'm not saying it's not. I'm not saying it's not, okay? Um, because there are absolutely aspects to this where I get it. I get why people uh, felt like this movie was really fantastic on certain levels. But overall, you know, I, I like I said, I consider myself a the bridge between critic and fandom. And as that bridge, <laughs> I had to give this one a eh, a meh. Uh, oh my gosh, what is wrong with these people <laughs> who are just raving to the high heavens about this movie? And I know, I know, it's like cinema. And so that's where that's where that's coming from. I know that's what it is. And that ain't me. Okay, so take that for what it's worth. But I am talking to all of you out there who are just regular, average, everyday moviegoers. Uh, and what you need to know about The Irishman is that it's boring, <laughs> so boring. Uh, the first hour and 15 minutes, I just kept looking at my husband going, what is this? And he was like, it's Goodfellows. 
I was like, yeah, I know it's Goodfellas. Uh, he's like, maybe, maybe it's Casino. I haven't decided which one it is yet, but it's definitely, we've seen that. In other words, we'd seen this movie before. We saw this years ago and those movies we loved. We, we absolutely loved them. And I, you know, this is not a bash on Scorsese. This is not, um, anything like that. It's more a question to why, why did we sit through an hour and 15, 20 minutes of what felt like a rehash of movies that he's already done and that he did better. Okay. Um, part of that I know was that it was a lot of the same actors involved. So we couldn't help but be pulled back into what they were doing and having those parallels. But some of it was also kind of on purpose. There are some scenes that were uh, kind of mirroring what happened in Goodfellas. And so... Yeah, I just, it, it took me, in fact, we turned it off. We watched the first um, hour and 20 minutes of it. And then we were like, this is dumb. And we just turned it off and we went to bed. <laughs> uh, how's that for Oscar worthy uh, performances? And I, and I know, I know it's going to come out. I know it's going to get in all these nominations. It possibly could win stuff. And here I am going, it was boring. And I went to sleep. Uh, it happens. It happens. This is why they don't let me vote for Oscars, I guess. Okay, so... I made a second go at it. I, I sat down a couple days later and I was like, I need to finish this movie and, and just try to see what it is that people love. And I will admit that the second half of the movie was much more interesting to me, much more entertaining to me, had um, some newness to it. This is where we talked a little bit more about the whole Jimmy Hoffa aspect of it. Um, so there was some changes Um to set this up, I guess I should have done this at the beginning. Sorry, guys. So if you don't know what The Irishman is about, this is a biographical um, crime mob boss, you know, thrill, uh, thriller thing that follows the character of Frank uh, Sheeran. And he is a real person. He was an Irishman. And as he recalls his past years working for the Buffalino crime family, there's a lot of aging and de-aging going on in this movie. So when we first meet him, he's like in his 20s. And then at the very end, he's 70s or 80s maybe. So this is this spans a whole lifetime of uh, what happened with Frank and uh, everything that he experienced becoming part of this crime family. In particular, they focus in on his friendship, his um, relationship with Jimmy Hoffa and the, his disappearance and possibly what may have happened to Hoffa, uh, which happened in 1975. So that's the setup for it all. And like I said, it just it, the, the first half of it, it just felt way too much like we'd seen this before. And I, and honestly, if if it hadn't gotten such rave reviews and such critical acclaim, maybe I would have gone in with a different perspective, but I kind of expected to be wowed from the start and I wasn't. Um, part of it may have also been the de-aging that they, that they did. You can't take a, a man in his 70s, you can't take Robert De Niro in his 70s and age him down. You can't do it. You can't do it. <laughs> the, the technology is, is close, but it's not there yet. I, and, and I, and I, I had a really tough time with it. I had a really tough time with it. Um, yes, his face looks a little smoother. Uh, in fact, it looks like too smooth in a couple of skins. But it was the eyes. Like, they didn't mess with the eyes, which I'm glad they didn't mess with the eyes. But, you know, the eyes are the window to the soul, guys. And an actor uses their eyes so powerfully. And 
Those were old man eyes. Those were eyes that had seen some ish over their lives. And that I couldn't, I couldn't get away from it. So anytime that we got this like up close or whatever, it really pulled me out of this illusion of, of his, his age. Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I was on this. Now, if you'll remember Martin Scorsese, he was the one that was saying that all superhero movies are the same, you know, essentially is what he was like, uh, or had been done to death. I can't remember exactly what his, his beef was, but he was putting down the superhero genre. I can't help but feel like we could say the same thing for his mob movies. And in fact, you could even say, Scorsese, you could even say, this one is your Avengers, man. You brought in all of these actors, all of them that you've worked with before, that have been on your other films, uh, and put them all together in one massive movie, right? In order to tell a story and I don't know I just felt like I was like hey he's kind of got his own Avengers going on right now <laughs> uh, I'm, uh, you know it was just one of those kind of things that I had while I was watching this because because there's these actors you can't okay that's the one thing I can say here uh positively they're great they're great that there's no knock on this there's nothing I can say there's nothing I could even pretend to say negatively about um, the acting in this movie. Every single person on screen that I can think of were fantastic. Anna Paquin is completely underused. She plays um, Robert De Niro's daughter. Uh, she's an Oscar winner and she has like four lines and a lot of dirty looks that she shoots at her dad. And that's basically her story, which feels like a crazy waste of talent. However, if she's happy with it, I'm happy with it for her, whatever, you know. But, um, the standout for this, the standout for me was Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci was so good, so, so good in this. I felt like he was, even though he's playing a mob character again, uh, this, you guys got to watch this. You got to watch this for Joe Pesci because he really had some nuance and some incredible moments where I was like, ah, ah, all right, all right, you, you, you. So it almost made this long A movie worth it <laughs> just to see what Joe Pesci did on screen. Cause it was that one I will, that I can, I can absolutely rave about. Anywho, I'm just saying if you sit down to try to watch this and you don't see the critical a claim that everybody is heaping on this, you are not alone. <laughs> you are not alone. Uh, I felt the same way. Uh, if you did have, if you do feel it, if th there's nothing wrong with that too, again, I never claimed, uh, you know, every, you like what you like, right? That's what we, we always say on this show. You like what you like. This one, I, I, I will never see it again. I will never watch it again. I don't care how many Oscars it wins. It's, it's not happening. I'm done with it. Uh, that's the Monday Movie Minute this week. And that's the Monday Movie Minute for this week. Thanks for fangirling with me on the No Guilt Fangirls podcast. And hope you'll be back to fangirl with me again real soon.